den her FFP. Tēnā koutou koutoua, ko Ben Nevis te maunga, ko Wai te awa, ko E New Zealand te waka, no Ingarangi aak. Ko te rite o Waitangi, tōku tūranga waiwai i roto i tēnei whenua. Ko te ripeka o Ehu Karaiti, tōku tūranga waiwai i mātua. Ko Dave Rawako Mandy o Kumātua. Ko Sally, tōku hoa wahine. Ko Taya Rawa, ko Ezra, aku tamariki. Ko Jack, ahau. Kia ora e te whanau. So, aroha mai e te whanau, ka kōrero tere au. I'm going to speak quite fast, because I've got quite a few things to get through. Um, so, turn on your taringa, and we'll, we'll see how we go. Uh, first, I want to pray. Yeah, Father, would you come and speak to us this morning? I thank you. You've already been doing that so clearly. Lord, we just pray in these uh, issues that with different feelings and thoughts flying around, that you would bring your thoughts and feelings on this issue, Lord. I pray that you'd use me to speak. I pray that you'd help us to listen and hear what you're going to say this morning. Amen. So I want to talk quickly um, to begin with. Oh, hello. There we go. Um, I want to talk quickly about my journey to uh, speaking here on this topic this morning. Um, as, as Pete said, um, worship is a thing that's on my heart. Um, but this is certainly something that is also very uh, close to my heart. Um, my journey here, so Sam Hainare, if you haven't listened to his talk a couple of weeks ago, um, go and check that out on the YouTube um, site, um, on the King's Church page. Um, but we were, this is a few years back now, we were up in Rotorua and we were there for a worship um, conference. Um, but we were sort of going for these worship ideas, but what we came away with was actually a heart for a multicultural church. Because what we experienced there was a multicultural expression of worship. Uh, we experienced te ao Māori in a worship environment. There were haka breaking out um, spontaneously from people in the um, congregation. There was a waita in te reo Māori. And we just were hit. We didn't know quite what it was. But at the time, we, we knew there was something there. And we knew that it was something God was speaking to us about. Um, and we knew it was something that he had on his heart. And what we really came away from that was seeing a bicultural but also a multicultural expression of the church. And so we came back to, um, to Porirua. Uh, we were straight into a church camp, I think, from there. And we, we just started trying to explore what does this look like for us as a whānau? What does a multicultural um, expression of church look like for us. Um, I started taking te reo classes um, in nighttime classes and um, did that for a couple of years and started trying to engage in te ao Māori specifically and uh, sort of uh, helped out with the kapahaka at school and that kind of thing just to try and immerse myself as much as I could in uh, the native um, culture of this, of this land. And as I say, I was from, born in England and so a lot of it I didn't experience in primary school, so 
I was, I was learning new things. And um, we started, uh, Sam and I, starting to write um, Waitai and Te Reo Māori and starting to explore Whakaaro Māori and uh, Paki Waitara from um, stories from uh, Te Ao Māori and seeing how it could enrich our understanding of God. Um, if you're new to us, you'll have noticed we, there's a bit of that in our, in our services and um, we very much feel like we're on the journey and I would say at the beginning of our journey. Um, and there are recent events um, around, um, obviously it was all sparked off uh, internationally by George Floyd and the murder of George Floyd. And um, I, at first I just felt helpless. I didn't know what, what I could do. Um, in New Zealand, a white man, what could I do with this issue? But um, pretty much straight away, I felt God say the three words, listen, learn, and love. Um, and I felt like he was giving me a sort of, a little bit of a roadmap as to how I can respond. And so I started trying to listen to people of color who had stories of racism. I started trying to hear their fakaro, their thoughts on this issue. I'd, I had no idea about it, really, in comparison. I started reading a whole bunch. I started trying to learn a lot, reading articles, books, um, even just stuff on Facebook that would pop up sometimes would spark, a, spark an exploration for me. And I just wanted to open myself and to make sure that I approached it with love. I really felt that was God's, God's roadmap for me. Um, so through, through all this, I was, I was kind of conflicted. I've, I wanted to do something, but I felt like for a while, I saw around the, the world, really, um, white people sort of coming quickly with answers or quickly with their thoughts, um, and sometimes not always helpfully. And um, really, I felt strongly that it was the time for um, black voices in particular, but people of color, their voices to be given a platform um, to speak. And um, so those were the voices I was trying to listen to. But as part of that, so I, I was hesitant to speak, to be honest, um, in front of the church. Um, but I was also stirred that it cannot continue to be just colored voices calling out what they've been calling out for decades, for centuries, um, while we, we stand there, continuing in our comfortable life. So I felt like I've been prompted this morning to, to start the conversation at least, uh, to speak up um, as a white man who hasn't had to deal with racism at any point in my life. Um, it's time for us to partner together. And yeah, as I say, I hope it'll be building on what Sam brought a couple of weeks ago, um, but starting the conversation for us as a whanau. So we can begin with an emotional response, and that's certainly where I began. Um, I was all over the show. Um, but, you know, one thing never changes, and that's God, no matter what, um, what is going on in our world, um, his word in the Bible. Um, we've, we've sung a song in the past that says, He is the rock that stands strong through the day and night in the middle of the raging sea. Um, Jesus is the rock. And so, in this sort of emotional time, and I, I'm sure I will get emotional this morning as well, um, we need to look to his word. We need to look to Jesus. 
and see what he says. So that's our plan. So going through this, I uh, just want a quick recap. Uh, for the full, full story, go to Sam's, um, Sam's talk a couple of weeks ago. Um, but he really laid a, a foundation for us. He talked about the big picture of a perfect created world in which there was no, um, no pain, no hatred, no anything. Um, this all fell apart, and now we're in the process of reconciliation. Um, reconciliation, uh, we see in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 19, um, it says, So from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. Although we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's trespasses against them, as he has committed to us the message of re reconciliation. So he's restoring us to himself. He's also restoring us to each other. You notice he's also restoring the world to himself. I think quite quickly we can think, oh, that's us. Um, I'd encourage us in the future to dig a bit more into that as well. Um, and we've even heard from Steve this morning, restoring te tahi, the, the, the one family unit, um, is something he wants to do in this next, uh, this next step. Um, and Jesus showed us the... Uh, he showed us the, um, the way to be humble, the, this humility that is required for reconciliation. Um, and I think um, Sam and I hadn't talked about listen, learn, and love um, at this point, but I think it ties in exactly to this. Sam talked about Jesus was able to humble himself to be a child, to learn. Um, he humbled himself to listen first, um, and he humbled himself to death, which was the ultimate expression of his love for us. So that's a quick recap, and as I say, go back and listen to the, to the details. Um, for now, I want to deal with uh, this quick question quickly, because if it's not an issue, then um, we don't really need to talk about it particularly. So there's a spoiler on the answer. Um, <laughs> is racism an issue in Aotearoa? Um, here are a few statistics. Um, if you are Māori, you are six times more likely to have a firearm pulled on you in this country by the police. Um, you are nine times more likely to have a taser used on you and 11 times more likely for pepper spray to be used on you. Now, statistics are complicated, and this doesn't tell us everything, every part of the picture, but it does indicate an issue, as well as the, uh, the uh, percentage there, 52% or 52.8% of prisoners are Māori um, nationally from a population of around 16.5%. Um, if you look at health statistics and life expectancy and those kinds of things, numbers trend in a similar way. Um, as I say, I'm not saying all police are racist or um, we're personally um, racist, but it highlights a, an issue. It highlights an issue if the indigenous people of this land um, are affected in this way by our culture in our country, the way things are done here. And this is just talking about Māori. Um, there are many, many stories, um, where I think 
my brother Deli for sharing with me um, so many stories of people in this nation of color who are passed over for jobs, um, looked on differently, small little remarks and that kind of thing, simply for the way they look. New Zealander of the Year. I'm calling on every one of my fellow Kiwis to help support a very important cause. Racism needs your help to survive. You may not be in a position to give much to racism, but whatever you feel comfortable giving will make a huge difference. You don't have to be a full-on racist. Just being a tiny bit racist is enough. A smile, a cheeky giggle, even a simple nod in agreement. It all adds up and it gives others the message that it's okay. Frequently asked questions about racism. But I'm not a real racist. Can I still help? Of course. Even if you don't come from a racist background, that's okay. Being a bit racist is super easy. How do I spread the word? You don't actually have to talk people into it. Just be a bit racist and they'll feel the social pressure to follow along. My mum says being a bit racist is bad. Oh, shut up, mum. What's in it for me? Uh, nothing. There's no benefit whatsoever to being racist. But ask yourself, what if everyone stopped giving to racism? What kind of future would that be for our children? If I only give a little bit, will it even make a difference? Not to you, no. But to the people receiving the racism, they'll be getting hundreds of small bits every day, so it will add up. It will be noticed. How do I show my support? You might not want to wear a t-shirt that says how much of a racist you are. No thanks. I'm racist on the inside. But you can laugh at racist comments. It does the same thing. <laughs> Remember, the only thing that can keep racism alive and help it grow is feeding it, nurturing it. And that's where you come in. Will you help it flourish? What will you give to racism? As New Zealander... So it's a, a bit of humour, but uh, it makes the point, right? Um, that racism isn't just what we've seen in the case of George Floyd. Um, the underlying issue of racism can be seem very small, but it has a big impact. Um, it's quite easy to say, oh, it's not as bad here as it is in the States, or, oh, you know, we're not too bad in New Zealand, or, you know, we, we've come pretty far. Um, all of those comments I've heard since the murder of George Floyd, um, and it's, it's not good enough, in my opinion. Um, each of these is an issue of degrading or judging people um, based on a particular place or culture or color. Um, and the key is that God determines our value. You know, we look at Psalm 139. Each of these people have been knit together in their mother's womb. Genesis 1.27, um, they were created in God's very image. John 3.16, he has died for these very people. And who are we to put a different value on a person simply because of their culture or their color? So what we're going to do now is we're going to go to a few verses and then we'll dig into a, a key couple of verses um, just to kind of paint the picture of God's heart on this issue. Um, you might think, oh, it doesn't really talk about racism in the Bible um, now I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12. We are the body with Christ as the head. Um, if you haven't seen Matty P's, here's another plug. 
If you haven't seen Matty P's talks from uh, Romans, which he did over lockdown and after a little bit, um, go check them out on the YouTube channel as well. Um, really laying a great foundation for unity in Christ and what that looks like uh, with Christ as the head and a diverse body of many different parts who can't say, I don't need you, I don't need you to each other. Galatians 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Again, we're talking about unity in Christ. It's not that we all look the same and that we're all one homogenous group. Um, we are a diverse body under Christ. Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Racism, whether overt or hidden, comes from a belief, whether conscious or not, that people unlike ourselves are not as good as ourselves. That's really the core of, of the issue for me, and um, that we are some way more superior than others. Um, this verse tells you what to do about that. Partly get over yourself. <laughs> In humility, value others above yourself. That is a clear commandment from God. He is the one who determines people's value, not us. I don't know if you've heard of this man um, called Otabenga. Um, he was a uh, man from the Congo uh, in the early 1900s. He was brought to America, um, New York City, and he was put in a zoo um, in an enclosure with monkeys. And thousands of people would come um, and would look at this new thing that the great Western world had discovered. And um, fairly unsurprisingly, he killed himself because of this degradation. This is racism, as is the small little comments that we make or let go by. But there is hope. Ephesians 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups, speaking of Jew and Gentiles here, one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in, in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the, Christ, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. It's strong language, and it demonstrates God, God's heart. The cross was to bring two people together, and that applies to this as well. His heart is for unity in Christ. And we live in this time of now and not yet, right? You've, you might have heard that talked about uh, with regards to many different issues, such as healing and that kind of thing. We live in a time of now and not yet, where Christ has done the work. He said on the cross, it's finished, right? And we can claim that, but some of that stuff, we still see sickness, right? And this complete reconciliation, he has paid the price on the cross. But we don't see it yet, right? 
We look around the world and people are murdered for the color of their skin. And we're in this unique point of history where Christ has done it, but it's not completed. And crazily, he will use us to bring in the not yet. He uses our prayers. He uses us partnering with him to bring in the not yet. He taught us to pray. And one of the key things he taught us to pray was on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we're doing there. We're calling in the not yet. He's done it. He doesn't need us in that sense, but he chooses to use us to bring about his purpose. And I feel like we need to pray that on this issue, on earth as it is in heaven. And we'll look at a picture of what heaven looks like in a bit. I'm going to have to speed up, I think. Pentecost. I won't read it all out due for time, but you can, if you can skim read, go for it. Um, but Pentecost, Jesus has risen, he's gone, um, the disciples are meeting together, they're praying, and suddenly the Spirit comes on them. And what comes out of this outpouring of the Spirit, um, we can jump to verse 5, let's go there. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered together in bewilderment. Sorry, the sound was everybody speaking in their own tongue. So these people from various different places suddenly hearing their own tongue. Now these people who came, they were, all these Jews, they, they were there for Pentecost. Um, they would have either spoken Aramaic, uh, which was the, the um, language of the synagogues, or they would have spoken Greek, which was the commercial language of the Roman Empire. There was not really a practical need for all of their home tongues to be spoken. Um, the disciples could have got away with some Greek and some Aramaic, but the Holy Spirit, God, in this instance, chooses to pour out his Spirit and use it to bring multiple different languages so that people heard their home tongue being spoken. I just want to read this, uh, this little quote out from a guy called Xiao Chong, um, and it's talking about this verse. He says, At Pentecost, God equipped a monocultural group of disciples to do a cross-cultural outreach in order to establish a multicultural church. So a monocultural group, he poured out their spirit. They did a cross-cultural outreach by his power without even knowing what was going on, and suddenly a multicultural church was born. He uses different tongues, hitherto never having been used in religious worship, to affirm and bless these languages and cultures as vehicles of his revelation and praise. So the first Christian outreach event after Jesus' ascension was an intercultural, cross-cultural outreach. Or, if you wish, the first post-resurrection Christian mega-worship service was a multilingual one. (laughs) One can even argue from this that God's default church is an intercultural church. So this is the big question that comes from it all day. What can we do? Partly we need to listen, learn, and love. Um, 
But these are some of the things that we have started to begin as a church and uh, on the beginning of the journey, I would say. So first of all, understand the importance of language. Clearly, God placed a value on that at Pentecost, and um, you may have heard the phrase, uh, speak to someone in a language they understand and it will go to their head. Um, speak to someone in their home language and it will go to their heart. Um, and that seems to me was on display at Pentecost. And um, Language is really important, and that's why we are beginning to worship using multiple languages. At this stage, predominantly English and Te Reo Māori. Um, I, I feel that's important as we honour the treaty. Um, but if you've been around us for a while, you will have noticed that that doesn't just stay there. It sparks other cultures to feel invited into an expression that isn't just monocultural. It invites us into a multicultural expression of worship. And multiple times we've had someone lead out in a Te Reo Māori song, and suddenly out from the congregation we hear different cultures speaking out in Dutch and Afrikaans and um, French. We've had multiple expressions of love for God suddenly burst up as we, as we place an importance on language. This is why we do it, and that's why we value it. And if you're new amongst us, I don't know, it might feel a bit uncomfortable or it might feel like home, um, but we believe it's important. Um, another thing to, to do um, is acknowledge that racism exists even in our nation, potentially in our church, potentially in our own hearts, whether we realize it or not. You know, in, that, in Pentecost, quite quickly, there were people who were saying, are they just drunk? You know, they're speaking these multiple languages, are they just drunk? Um, don't be that person. Don't be that person who says, ah, that's not my language, so I'm not, I'm not too interested, or ah, they're just drunk. You know, uh, I'm not a racist, you know. Or one thing I've seen quite a lot is it's political. So, you know, that movement's actually political, so I'm not dealing in politics. There will be some who take this and use it for their political gain. This issue is not political. It's deep at the core of God's heart. Don't dismiss what is happening, making excuses. Humble yourself like Jesus did to listen, to learn, and to love. Another thing we need to do at Defano is become, un, become comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. It's very easy to be comfortable in a group where everyone is the same as you. But that's not what God's picture of the church is. And honestly, there's people amongst us this morning who have stayed with us despite decades of feeling uncomfortable because they are different from other people, because they have experienced church in a different way to the way we do it. But I thank God for those people for sticking with us because it's those people who are going to help us step from where we are to God's expression of the church. So now as a Pākehā man, it's my turn to be uncomfortable. It's my turn to step out of my comfort zone 
and to see the church change into a multicultural expression. Church, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Otherwise, nothing will change. You know, Pentecost, there's a good chance that was pretty messy. There's a good chance it wasn't super slick um, and easy. I mean, clearly some people thought they were drunk, so get that picture in your head. Um, It won't be what you're used to. It won't be what you're comfortable with. But the truth is that it's worth it because this is the expression of God and his his worship. Let's skip ahead to the the not yet. Um, After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. This is from Revelation 7. Um, From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand, and as they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And it goes on, and it's a a beautiful picture of the end goal, God's heart for where, where are we headed. Here we are right now. Pentecost was an example. Here we are right now in the now and not yet. Where are we headed? This is where we're headed. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation around the throne. Are they all singing the same language? It doesn't say. I would say probably not, because we're talking about culture here. This is the expression that the church must become. This is where we're headed. It will happen. So are you going to put it off? Are you going to keep saying, I I want to be comfortable? This is where God's got us headed. To be honest with you, like it or not. So it's up to you to decide, is this where I want to go now? Or do I want to wait? Because it will happen. The end of the story, the culmination of all history and time, is a picture of multicultural worship. Where every tear is wiped away, every injustice righted, this is the picture God gives us. That's how close to his heart is. And we've heard this said already this morning, the church is God's answer. Steve, like, awesome, thank you so much for what you brought earlier. Uh, you kind of set it up and now I get to... <laughs> I don't know, do you do that? <laughs> I don't play basketball, so... I should have done a football analogy. Um, the church is the answer. The Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are the only ones able to bring true, lasting unity. And they've decided to use the church the glorious bride to do this. We have to realize our place in history. It might have even been from you as well, Steve. I'm not sure you can tell me uh, later. But we had a prophecy at the beginning of the year about 2020 being a a year of 2020 vision. Yeah. Um, And I've heard that from other sources as well, actually, and um, things coming into clarity in this year. I believe this issue has been highlighted to us for a reason. We kid ourselves if we say, oh, racism has got really bad recently. It's been going on for a very, very long time. And that's part of the problem. We, we just haven't known about it or have ignored it. But it's been brought to our attention globally for a reason. There are key points in history where big shifts occur. 
You look back at the abolishment of slavery at various different points in different countries, and um, those were huge times where something shifted. Um, you could argue the Treaty of Waitangi uh, was a point where something shifted. Now, it didn't, it didn't all get better, for sure, um, and there's a lot of pain there as well, but there are points in history where things shift, and I would say that God is highlighting this because now is a time in history where things will shift. 2020 being a time of 2020 vision, coming into clarity. Um, Steve said this morning as well, not a selective love. This is the time where he's bringing a love that compels us to act, that mountains will move, and he said the church is the answer. Jesus has secured this all on the cross. Now's the time to pray in the not yet. Uh, can, we, can we stand and can we pray? I'm just going to pray, and if you feel stirred um, in any way on this issue, then uh, join me in your heart, and we'll have a, a moment to, uh, to respond in a bit. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning. I thank you for speaking to our hearts, Lord. I thank you for bringing this issue into clarity a bit more to bring it out into the light. This morning we want to acknowledge that racism exists. Uh, we acknowledge that it exists in, globally in this nation, sometimes even in our own hearts. And Lord, we recognize your plan and heart is for racism to die, for the killing of hostility. We want to partner with you to see this happen. We pray on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray that this church would become more like the church of Pentecost. More like the church you tell us about in Revelation. A truly multicultural church, one in which all peoples have their voice, their mana, their different ways of expressing who you are, different strengths, all lifted to glorify you. We thank you for your love, your victory, and we pray in that not yet. If you felt particularly stirred, uh, myself and a few others will be down the front here. Uh, we're about to uh, sing a little uh, song. But um, I would encourage you to allow God to bring this into clarity for yourself. Um, and if he's speaking to you, I'd encourage you, there's, there'll be space down the front here. We're uh, more than happy to pray things through or talk things through. Um, make that particular step to see change in your own heart and in this nation, um, I'd encourage you to respond if God is prompting you.